Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View. I hope you're having a great day. This is where we celebrate the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. You know, we've had a great uh, series of shows this week. And if you think about it, in just about every conversation I had, whether it would be with Brandon Elliott from Elliott Homes talking about home building and the trends there, or Kennedy Miyaza, or Farrell Allman, or even uh, e- even Je- Jeffrey O'Keefe, uh, you think about the trends that we discussed that were that are important to their industries, that are important to them to be able to sort of keep up and make adjustments to their business. All of these, whether you talk about the Miyazas or Farrell Allman or Brandon Elliott, are for sure the O'Keefe's. They've all stood the test of time. How do they do that? They're really aware of, uh, of the trends. You know, I talk about on Coastview often about how a disaster can speed up the trends that were in place before the disaster. Think about Hurricane Katrina for a second. Things we were talking about before Hurricane Katrina, you know, affordable housing, about coastal housing insurance and the stability of the insurance market, population trends. I mean, population trends are one of the most important conversations we can have in Mississippi. Labor challenges, all those things, we were having those before Katrina, but Katrina sped them up. Social and economic trends sped up by Katrina that 15 years later we're still talking about. Think about the pandemic. My goodness, I mean, everywhere you look, something has been impacted. Uh, you think about the challenges and, and the trends that have taken effect in uh, health healthcare. Look about the think about the advancement of banking and how overall adoption of technology has changed things. There's so many trends that have been sped up by the pandemic. If you look ahead ten years, uh, it's you know there's there's a lot to pay attention to as you think about what are the impact of trends going to be on Mississippi over the next ten years. What are the opportunities? and challenge is going to be as we go forward. Are we ready for that future? And who's leading the charge toward that? Um, like, for example, one of the biggest trends we got to worry about in Mississippi is, is brain drain. There are too many Mississippians who are having to leave Mississippi to find op- opportunity. If you think about over the next 10 years, and you know anybody who reads about these trends and where they're headed in the future, it's not hard to see that advancements in technology are going to change things in so many amazing ways. I mean, we already live in a virtual world. We already live in a digital world. We already live in, in what I would refer to as the data-centric world where artificial intelligence is defining so much of what we do in our daily life. Imagine where we're going to be 10 years from now. Um, the, the adoption of technology is moving at the speed of light. If you think about in our daily life, think about after the pandemic, how quickly we were to sort of adopt digital payment capabilities. That's something a lot of people weren't necessarily uh, adjusting to, but you adjusted to it quickly, didn't you? Think about how remote banking activities have changed since the pandemic started. Um, if you if we go forward, we're going to be seeing um, technology deployed in ways that we could never have imagined. Think about the adoption of technology to develop the COVID-19 technology, or, or vaccine, excuse me, uh, and how that, used, how that was used. In the future, Dr. Nicholas Conger and I talk about this tomorrow, but if you think about how possibly can devices will be able to determine 
a vital signs of a, of a patient and also, you know, do some kind of a pass on that patient where you can uh, get some preliminary di- diagnosis. Renewable in- energy 10 years from now is going to be the name of the game. There's probably going to be an electric car in just about everybody's driveway. The future is extremely dynamic. It's potentially healthier, by the way, but it's much more streamlined than it is today. In some ways, we don't even have to wait 10 years to the year 2031. You think about people like Elon Musk. Elon Musk says that SpaceX is going to be making regular flights into space by the year 2023. That's just, that's just like two years from now. Think about that for a minute. Um, incidentally, Musk has a lot to say about the future. And one of the things that he says is, I believe, is really foretelling about where we're headed, where corporations are headed. One of the things he he maintains is that CEOs aren't going to come through the financial office, the CFO's office anymore. They're not going to come through marketing anymore. CFOs are going to come from engineering and design. Excuse me, CEOs are going to come from engineering and design. CEOs are going to have to go to where the problem is, Musk says. And that's, that's what's happening today with technology being such a part of what's going on. They have to be where the solutions are. They have to be where the future is. So where is Mississippi future in all of this? One of the things that Elon Musk said is that when he came from South Africa to, to America, he wanted to be in Silicon Valley because that's where you wanted to be if you had a startup. If you wanted to start a business, you needed to be in Silicon Valley. He actually referred to it as the mystical place. Well, how do we make Mississippi a mystical place? How do we make Mississippi a place that, that companies want to come, that people want to come to? Um, where do, how do we get in Mississippi from where we are now to there? That's to that place that we want to be at. Who's leading the charge? Who's talking about these things? Uh, how do we get aligned around that future? If you think about coastal Mississippi's future, it depends on getting a really good and accurate vision of the future. And I, you know, I think ultimately our future depends on great leadership. We've got to have leaders that are getting their heads around this. And with that in mind, I've invited two friends of mine to join me today. One you met within the past two weeks, Joe Max Higgins, who's the CEO of the Golden Triangle. That's the economic development organization between Starkville, West Point, and Columbus. You, uh, if you saw the show, um, you, you, got a great, you got a great education on economic development. We'll put a link to it at the Facebook page, the, face, uh, the uh, Super Talk Mississippi Facebook page, so you can see that conversation. But every year, as part of his regular routine, he goes up to Harvard. Harvard's done several different case studies on work that he's been involved in. And then I've invited uh, Ashley Edwards, smart guy, he's executive director of the uh, Gulf Coast Business Council. He, too, is just completing some Harvard uh, coursework. And I think between Ashley and, uh, and Joe Max, we can have a terrific conversation about where's Mississippi going to be in 10 years from now? How do we get from here to there? So let me far- start with just saying good morning, Ashley and Joe Max. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank good you, morning. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me. This is going to be a terrific conversation between two really smart guys who think about this a lot. Hey, before we um, we get kind of into the vision of the future, the governor's decision to opt out of the unemployment benefits that came as a result of the most recent COVID stimulus package. Uh, that's a really important move. Let's let's turn to you first, Ashley. Um, were you pleased to see that? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, 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 it's a necessary thing to get done. Uh, no doubt about it. Hey, Max, comment? 
Yeah, uh, uh, I wish it could have been done earlier. I understand it couldn't be, but I wish it could have been done earlier. Um, this morning, before we got on this call, uh, I was involved in a conversation of one of our oldest uh, manufacturing uh, manufacturers in the area, and uh, they are literally giving strong consideration to shutting half their operation down because they can't staff it. Because, because their people can make more on unemployment and with the kicker. And uh, I had a lunch with eight of my industry captains a couple of weeks ago, and this was the number one thing that they talked about, that as long as that was in place, they will continue to have problems staffing up, meeting production, meeting their customers' needs. So uh, bravo to Governor Tate Reeves. Yeah, I did a, I did a, uh, a pretty long review of the situation uh, a couple of days ago, but there are essentially about 132 million workers in America, about 40 million, and there's differing degrees of of agreement on the exact number. But that, that's a that's a I think that's a good median number. About 40 million make less than 50 15 dollars an hour. So incidentally, only 247 thousand make minimum wage. So 40 million make less than 15 dollars an hour. If suddenly they make $15 an hour, I mean, where is the incentive to go back? And the other problem is, and you'll get into this debate as you talk about sort of the, the, the federal minimum wage versus some living wage and whether that you should increase the, the minimum wage to this living wage. If you just do a, a federal $15 an hour across the nation, well, a living wage in, in New York City is a much different way, you know, wage than if you live in Gulfport, Mississippi. And so, you know, my contention on that, incidentally, is that this is not the time for that debate. We've got to open the economy. Why would we throw other variables into it and make things even more difficult for businesses? Any any comment about that, Ashley? Well, I mean, I think you're right about that, Ricky. I mean, look, I'm I don't have a deaf ear to the living wage discussion. There's certainly an economic case to be made for uh, ensuring that we continue to see growth in in, in payroll, um, but. You know, to, to the point you made earlier, we're in a situation now where continuing to have unemployment benefits with a supplement on top of it is actually hurting the people it's designed to help. I don't think anybody would argue that early in the pandemic, uh, when folks wanted to go to work and just couldn't for various reasons, that we had a need to make sure that we continued to have money uh, that could go into the consumer side of the economy, that they would be able to continue to buy groceries, to pay their bills. Uh, that keeps economic uh, growth moving. But now we're in a position where there are jobs available, and the fact that those jobs remain unfilled is hurting economic productivity. Um, and, you know, if you continue to have, and let's keep in mind, I mean, this unemployment assistance from the pandemic, this is a temporary program. You know, it's going to go away. This is not a not a living wage program. So, it's okay to have the debate about a living wage, and there's merits on both sides of that argument, but it's not okay to try to take something like an unemployment government program and turn that into a living wage program, because that's destined to fail. Uh, and it's also destined to hurt the input sectors of our economy where they don't have labor to actually keep economic momentum moving. And so in, in many ways, a program that was designed uh, to help keep the economy strong through a disruption is now becoming the disruption. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Joe, Max, your picture uh, froze for the Facebook audience and YouTube audience. They'll see that. We'll look at that during the break. I think we still have, we still have your audio. What would you add to that? 
I don't know. Like you said, Ashley's a smart guy. I don't know that I would add much to it. I mean, uh, I agree. In the early days, uh, uh, probably was a good thing. Uh, like many other government programs, uh, uh, it's it's in my mind, it's outlived its usefulness. It needs to be changed, and 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 I'm and I'm glad uh, that that that's happening. Uh, <clears throat> I ate at a at a, at a at a restaurant yesterday. And normally, when and it's a successful restaurant, the Golden Triangles, arguably our successful, it's most successful restaurant chains of, of, of different, they own different uh, uh, types. But instead of going in and finding out that meatloaf was on the special and that loaded potato soup was the soup of the day, it had a big sign that said help wanted, uh, 401k, health care benefits, vacation. And, and, and I mean, it, right when you walked in the door, it hit you, okay, uh, that, that they were needing people. I talked to the owner and he said, I could hire 500 people right now. But this unemployment kicker is keeping people from coming back to work. And he said, it's killing me. We're going to we'll continue this part of the conversation with Joe Max Higgins from the Golden Triangle Link, uh, Economic Development Link, and Ashley Edwards from the Coast, Gulf Coast Business Council when we come back. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm Ashley Edwards from the Gulf Coast Business Council. And Joe Max Higgins, who runs the Golden Triangle Development Link up at the Golden Triangle, that's Starkville, West Point, and Columbus, Mississippi. And we're having a conversation about the future. But when we went to break, though, I want to make sure we finish the thought about this. We were saying the governor's actions to, uh, to sort of opt out of the supplement for unemployment was a real good move, and it's going to help. You know, we've been talking about this on Coastview for a while. That, uh, Mississippi businesses need relief rapidly as our economy continues to heat up and move forward. We need to be able to do that. But even, you know, it's with, what's interesting, uh, Ashley, is even without, within the context of the $15, essentially $15 unemployment benefit, what it was doing is companies, as they started up, they were being very competitive to try to uh, allure companies to them. And they were adding additional benefits. They were moving the rate of, of uh, hourly rate up. In a way, sort of the, the, the market conditions were, were forcing them to sort of respond in ways that maybe they should have before. I don't know. But they certainly are now to attract new employees. And that's, that's, that's the way you want the system to really work, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, you know, supply and demand dynamics will work if they're allowed to work. And this is a perfect situation of where that's happening. I mean, if you've got a low supply of, of skilled workforce that's and, and a high number of jobs in demand, uh, those jobs are going to pay more because they're going to become more competitive. Problem that we're running into today is we're forcing the private sector to compete with government. And the private sector is always going to lose when it has to compete with government uh, because government doesn't have to balance uh, a budget. Um, they don't have to worry about uh, you know, they can print money, essentially. And so, um, you know, never in the United States should we put the private sector in a position uh, where they had to compete with government. And again, 
you know, this this goes to show how every policy has its place in time. Um, you know, there's not a monopoly on something being a good policy or bad policy. Uh, last year, we needed government to step in. We needed government to keep economic stimulus in place. Uh, we would have seen a much greater economic downturn had they not done that. Uh, but now there's, we don't have the ongoing need for that anymore because uh, the demand uh, has increased, but government is artificially low in the, lowering the supply. Uh, so look, I, I, I'm a big believer in if you let the market forces work out, they will. Um, I've been a big fan of Joe Max Higgins for a long time. I mean, it's it's an honor for me to be on a show with him. He's a mentor to me. He's a guy that I have I have looked up to my entire career. Uh, you know, he's a guy that made his career off the fact that he knew his product better than maybe any other economic developer in the country. And we understand here in Mississippi what's going on with our businesses. We understand what the demand looks like. And I, th I think the governor made the right call. I know he's got some criticism for it, but I'm telling you, we will see a much quicker recovery throughout the summer, especially here on the coast, as a result of the fact that he's made this decision on the temporary unemployment assistance. So what this situation, Joe Max, does for us, and, and this conversation today is a lot about the future. Where is Mississippi going to be 10 years from now? So I want to kind of, before we get into specifically describing what you guys think in terms of where it looks like we will be in 10 years, I want to make something really clear that what the what the living wage conversation did, what this supplement did is, that was part of unemployment is it really helped bring focus to this reality that Mississippi probably has too many low-paying jobs. That's that's the reality. And one of the one of your keys to success, Joe Max, has been that you said we have to quit focusing on low-paying jobs. We've got to we got to focus on higher-paying jobs. And here's how we do that. And you've really made a name for yourself focused in that way, haven't you? Well, so so, so far, Ricky, I have, I guess. But but you know, look. Um, <laughs> That, that probably every politician we know in this state and other states uh, will say, how many jobs are, are affected? How many jobs are there with a deal? You know, and a, and a thousand jobs or 500 jobs gets, man, that's 500 jobs. But what I don't think we're doing is saying, what, what do those 500 jobs mean? In some cases, in some places, the volume is a good deal. But I've always thought for us to get where we need to get as a state, we need to start focusing more on capital investment that the companies are making more than the number of jobs. My rationale on that is, is the higher the CapEx, probably the higher skill level and the higher the pay, uh, the higher the CapEx, there's more dollars generated for cities, counties, and schools uh, in Avalon taxes to, to help fund teachers and other things that we, roads and bridges that we need. And that, you know, just creating jobs for job's sake doesn't work. So, you know, we won't even consider providing an incentive package to any company coming to the Golden Triangle unless they pay at least at the average wage. And we don't really average county uh, wage, but but we don't really even get excited until we start getting up to 110, 120 and 130 percent of 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 the a county average wage. That way we're moving the needle. And uh, I, I, I re I've been employing everybody that I can talk to since I've been in Mississippi. Let's quit counting jobs and let's start counting CapEx. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of the programs, the way they're set up, uh, you come in and say you'll create 200 jobs, you'll get a big sack of money. You come in and say, I'm going to create 20, but I'm going to pay $80,000. They may say, well, we can only give you $100,000. So um, we need to rethink that and understand that. And people got to understand for the long haul. Um, 
you know, uh, uh, Bill Fruth does the polycoms, and he's got a little eight-page or ten-page publication called The Flow of Money. And he talks about a team uh, uh, trading players, and you trade a 450 hitter, and you get two 250 hitters. Uh, you got two players uh, uh, for one, but did you get the quality player that you need? Uh, ultimately, the team's not as good because you took a 450 hitter out of the deal. So I really think we need to relook at this. But 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 when you're from a small place. Uh, 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 how many jobs are going to be created? How many jobs are going to create it? That, that's, that's the narrative, and it needs to be, what's the CapEx on this deal? Well, what was interesting, when I started the show and I talked about technology trends and what Elon Musk said about CEOs of the future are going to come from engineering and design, technology is going to be the name of the game. I mean, that's where we're headed. Huh? I saw you nodding uh, when, when I was talking about that, but that's your world today, isn't it, Joe Max? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I talked to one of my former chairman. I talked to my third chairman. I've been here 18 years. The chairmanship's two years. So, you know, she, she was with me from the time she hired me. I was talking to her this morning, and, I, and, and her name is Allegra Brigham, well-known in the, in the state, and uh, ran the electric co-ops, uh, co one of my co-ops here, and also uh, was interim president of MUW. And I said, Allegra, if I told you the types of projects that I'm working on today, you would you would just shake your head. Uh, I said, we're working on uh, uh, copper foil projects for EV batteries. Uh, we're working two EV battery plants. Uh, we have announced and cited in the last 24 months about 550 megawatts of solar uh, power that's going to be that that's not being talked about being constructed. It's under contract with TVA to be delivered. Um, something about the size of a nuclear power plant, if you want to you kind of put a put a face on the size of it. Um, none of those projects we would have been working even four or five years ago, and uh, now they're commonplace. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, Ashley, as you think about opportunities that will arise over the next 10 years, what comes to mind to you? Well, I think I think Joe Max hit, hit the nail on the head. I mean, we're we're in the midst of the, you know, the second industrial revolution here. Um, things are changing day by day. And uh, and, and it's important. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned Polycom, for example. You know, we here on the coast, we look at those Polycom rankings Every single year, we look at how we stack up to the other MSA, uh, you know, MSAs in terms of economic health all across the United States. Uh, but, you know, but what we find is that, you know, the, the makeup of jobs has changed. I mean, look, look here on the coast. Just prior to Hurricane Katrina, uh, we had a, a household income here on the coast that was right about the national average. And we've lost tremendous ground to, you know, tremendous ground to the national average in that period of time. Um, you wouldn't see the same thing if you were looking at the number of jobs created or lost. But the amount of the salaries in that jobs mix has changed, uh, and that's something that's very concerning. And we're seeing that, in, you know, in other places across Mississippi. Um, you know, you, you look at the fact that you know the number of jobs in manufacturing has decreased in half since 1985, but the number of engineers employed in manufacturing has doubled during the same period of time. Um, so we just we're fundamentally looking at a different. Uh, you know, at a, at a different type of of workforce demand than we had ten or fifteen years ago, uh, and Mississippi's got to be ready to meet that challenge. And I think, you know, I think Joe Max makes some really good points here. I mean, you look at what's happened with Austin, Texas. Uh, Austin, Texas was not this incredible tech hub uh, twenty or thirty years ago. In fact, Austin, Texas uh, was a sleepy little town uh, there in Texas that had sort of always been the state capital, but didn't have nearly the attention of 
all the oil and gas investment was going on in Houston, Dallas, and places like that. And things were going on in West Texas. And they really reinvented themselves, number one, by uh, trying to attract uh, technology. They really tried to become a second stop for the firms in Silicon Valley that were getting run out of a real high cost, a place that was real high cost of doing business. Um, the other thing that they did, I think, that was really brilliant was they focused on corporate relocations. I mean, Mississippi, we kind of we're we're kind of wedded sometimes to the fact that hey, let's get a you know, let's get a, a component of a company to come in here and manufacture a widget. Uh, but a lot of the profit doesn't stay in the state of Mississippi, and so. You know, whether it's entrepreneurial uh, endeavors or things like what Joe Max does is where you're really creating company infrastructure uh, in which Mississippi is the top investment, the CapEx, as he talked about. You know, that's where we got to be focused. Absolutely where we have to be focused. The future is really bright if we have to get aligned around it. One of the one of our challenges, though, is the perception of Mississippi. Joe Max and I talked about that a little bit the last time we got together. I'm going to play, after we come back from the break, a quick segment from that conversation. And then uh, I want to get your reaction to this, Ashley. Joe Max, you can add whatever additionally you want to that. We'll be back after this break. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Ashley Edwards from the Gulf Coast Business Council. And Joe Max Higgins from the Golden Triangle. He's head of economic development up there. And we're talking about, you know, where can Mississippi be 10 years from now? One of the things that Joe Max and I talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, was about the perception of Mississippi is always has always been a challenge. We would do things like change the state flag. Boy, does it help. But then we say things or do things that somehow confirm to people you know, that's the the I would say the luster of changing the state flag only lasts so long. And the moment we do something that reconfirm any thoughts they had about Mississippi, it sets us back again. I wanna I wanna share that segment that Joe Max and I discussed. And then Ashley will come to you first and get your get your point of view. And then Joe Max will we'll see if you have anything you want to add to that. Here's that segment. Isn't the sky the limit for Mississippi? Yeah. Well, it can be, okay? There's no guarantee. It can be. Uh, uh, the, the, the sky can be the limit. Probably the, the greatest thing holding us back, quite frankly, is, uh, in my opinion, is uh, the stereotypes that the world puts on Mississippi. And and anytime we do something that reinforces those stereotypes, we don't take steps forward. We take steps backwards. Okay, yeah. and and that's the biggest. You know, I, I mean, I, I've done some uh, uh, speeches where I told uh, people that uh, people expect the women to be barefoot and pregnant, the men to have no teeth and chewing tobacco. They expect that the white people are burning crosses in the black people's yards on Saturday night for fun. Okay, yeah. and and you live here and I live here, and and quite frankly, uh, there may be an extremely small percentage that, that might not fit those stereotypes, but most people you know don't and wouldn't do any of that. And uh, you know, I can't name ten of my best friends that chew tobacco. Okay, so so <laughs> so that's that's what's holding us back. Uh, uh, and then sometimes I think our inability to look forward and see what can happen if we'll work together and cooperate. What can actually be accomplished, and yeah. uh, so so the the stereotypes I think are holding us back, and our lack of visioning is holding us from moving forward. I think I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying a few minutes ago that there are some people who expect sort of immediate returns, and they don't realize, or maybe they do realize it, but don't want to accept 
the fact that oftentimes economic development projects, especially the kind of big projects you've been involved in, are you have to have the art of the long deal, and it takes a lot of patience. And you got to keep people aligned during this whole journey because you never know when you might have to make adjustments in the plan to make the 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 you know the the the, uh, the the overall plan more attractive to whoever it is you're trying to allure here. But it's, so that's one thing. Um, we're not focused enough, probably as a as a set of communities across the state, on the, the maybe one, two, or three or four important things that we can do right now that will make a difference. Your point about perception is definitely true. Uh, I had the opportunity to to leave beyond beyond Mississippi. I saw those perceptions all the time. But here's the interesting thing: when people come here and they see it for themselves, they almost always conclude this is not what I expected to see. The people here are so amazing. The people here aren't like that. The people here are smart. The people here care. They're empathetic. In fact, it's interesting. So isn't it interesting that the one thing that is our biggest detriment, the perception about us. Often it's turned around, sort of like the yin-yang Chinese symbol. Often it's turned around. It's our our best quality, our people. Isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. If if we can get you here and have an an, an adequate amount of time to answer your questions about your project and your slide and all that, and then show the communities, uh, we generally... We'll we'll make the finals. You know, uh, we generally uh, 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 don't have a problem with that. It's the ones that cut us at the desktop that kills us. Wow, cut the ones that cut us at the desktop. They're the ones who kill us. Well, actually, there's a lot wrapped up in that quick little conversation, isn't there? Absolutely, I could not agree more. <clears throat> everything he said. Um, only thing I'll add to what he said is this, which is there's no question that our perception, the perception that really haunts us is not our reality here in Mississippi. People like Joe Max Higgins and I wouldn't be here working so hard in Mississippi if we didn't believe in the product that we're selling. Uh, we know what we've got here. We know we've got a special place. We know we've got people that are resilient, self-reliant. Uh, I mean, you know, this is a great place to do business. Uh, but man, we get in our own way sometimes. And and you know, I will tell you, Ricky, what we see in Mississippi today is an incredible adaptive leadership challenge. Uh, because we're going to have to start doing things a little different than we've done them. We're going to have to start thinking a little different than we've thought before. Uh, we're not trying to win the hearts and minds of the baby boomers that are in retirement. We're trying to win the hearts and minds of the millennials that are going to make up our workforce. Uh, we're losing population in those critical segments year after year. Um, you know, I, I'll give you just one example of that real quickly. I can't tell you just in my job at the Business Council how many calls I got from media outlets and others wanting to get reaction to uh, the transgender sports bill that was done. And there are people that feel real strongly about that on either side. I saw a report the other night. They looked. They found six cases of transgender athletes in the United States in the last 20 years that tried to compete uh, in the sport for the opposite sex. Six cases. Uh, why are we devoting so much time talking about an issue when probably none of us on this phone call right now are ever going to encounter an issue like that? And it, you know, we create these big issues, uh, and it really it's just we're taking our eye off the ball. There's so many places we need to be investing our time and energy and effort. And I just think that sometimes we really get our eye off the ball in terms of you know, where are our opportunities and you know, put your opportunities into your biggest investments, not your biggest problems. It's like we need to make a transition and sort of the the political approach of the past needs to needs to transition. 
we got to quit moving to these least common denominators on the political scheme and say, we're going to be focused now on painting a different picture of Mississippi and a vision of Mississippi that's going to make us winners going forward. We want people to sort of sign up for that winning strategy. Joe Max, you said a lot in that few segments, but but if you had time to think about it, what would you add to that? Well, I, you know, I, I'm sitting here listening to Ashley and and you know about the percentage and the transgender and all all that in these small issues. You know, it might be it might be a good approach for us to take is let's quit letting the liberal or the conservative think tanks that come up with hot button issues that they want their they want to engage the voters and keep everybody polarized. It might be a, a, a pretty good plan to say, why don't we do this? Why don't we decide what's important to Mississippi and deal with what's important to Mississippi and not let the national scene drive what our narratives are? Because there's not a lot of difference when you watch the local news and the national news about what's being talked about. But I can tell you, I could probably reel off on fingers and toes 20 issues that are more important than what that, that, than what Ashley just talked about. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. But, you're, you know, you're right about the think tanks. You're so right. There are think tanks. There are so many different think tanks, I might add, that are that are that are trying to influence public policy in Mississippi. They are spending lots and lots of money. They are working very hard to have their own influence. They are having influence on some of our statewide leaders. And so essentially what that ends up doing is we end up, we're, we're letting the polarized ends define the conversation. As I said so many times, so many of us are somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle. But when we're talking about the future of Mississippi, the vision of Mississippi, where Mississippi can take advantage of opportunities going forward, rarely are we having that conversation within the context of these polarizing discussions. There, there, as both of you sort of talked about, it's, it's enabling us to take our eye off the ball and not have the right conversation because some leaders in our state perceive they need to be able to talk about this in order to keep their, their voters engaged with them. And I think that's least common denominator. I don't, I don't think that that's the right approach to move our state forward. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can, we can move that, we can move that ship slowly, but surely in that direction. But is a mystical, is a mystical Mississippi possible, Joe Max? Yes, yes. And but you've got to figure out what we need to do to 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 get that done. And it needs to be the long view. You know, I got asked the other day, so what do you think is the neatest, coolest thing that Mississippi's done since you've been in Mississippi? And that's almost 20 years. I said, well, that's easy. That's that's probably the easiest question I could answer. The broadband, the broadband initiative, getting the co-ops involved, getting state money, getting federal money, recognizing that we're going to a digital economy. You know, actually, you may disagree, but I don't think there's anything since I've been in Mississippi that we've done that's going to have. I'm talking about long. I mean, you know, generational benefits to our state. I just don't. I just don't see it. Let's do do this, Joe Max. I think that's actually a really, really important point. And I want to. I want to. We'll come back to that when we come back because until we get everybody connected in this state. We're never going to solve issues like the Delta, et cetera. We're going to come back and talk more about that with Joe Max Higgins and Ashley Edwards after this break. Oh, 
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Joe Max Higgins from the Golden Triangle Economic Development Effort and Ashley Edwards from the Coast Business Council. Joe Max, who incidentally has a philosophy in life to live life like your ass is on fire. If you don't live like that in the economic development world, you will get eaten alive. That is for sure. But I mentioned that Elon Musk moved from South Africa to California because he needed to be in the Silicon Valley because that was going to be you know, the place to be if you're starting a business. And he referred to it as this mystical place. Well, Mississippi needs to be a mystical place. Mississippi needs to be a place where technology people can go and find a great place to live, work, and play, et cetera. And one of the things that Joe Max was saying, and of course Ashley was agreeing, was that the that broadband access is one of the fastest way for Mississippi to get from where we are now to where we need to go. Because by doing that, we unle- unleash all kinds of stuff, don't we, Ashley? That's absolutely correct. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest barriers that we've had to overcome here. I mean, you look at what happened in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, 10 years ago when they put in high speed broadband and the changes that occurred up there. I mean, there's too many case studies that shows you how to do it. And, uh, you know, sometimes we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just have to use the wheels that we've been handed. And uh, now this is a, this is a perfect situation that I agree with him. Uh, I think it was great legislation. I think it was very worthy of the legislators uh, legislature's attention. Uh, and it's going it's, we're going to see some some real impacts from it. I think we're already starting to see some, uh, and that's only going to continue. Yeah, the real co-ops are all over it. Uh, we've used this is another I, I would say clarion call that came out of this pandemic moment. You know. The fact that the trend was we were not where we nearly where we needed to be from a connectivity point of view. And boy, people got aligned around that. Once we started to understand that, that in terms of remote work and remote learning and all the things that surround that, that unless we have a connected Mississippi, we're going to, we're going to fall further and further behind. And that is, that is, that is more real today than has ever been. But now we've got this like multi-billion dollar aggressive plan that's being adopted and it won't take long. Will it Joe Max before we can begin to see the, the benefits of that? Oh no. I, I, I mean, it, it just, it just made irrelevant places given it, it's given them a chance to be relevant instantaneously. And, uh, and, you know, I'll tell you a fun story. My, my son, we, we may run with the electric cop. We may run broadband to our deer camp. And somebody said, well, why would you do that? And, and I was talking to commissioner Presley and he said, well, number one, you can get rid of your direct TV and you can stream your shows. And my son-in-law, who's a, who's a, 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 a financial analyst said, I can go hunt in the morning, go back to the cabin, work, in, work, work till about uh, 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 two o'clock and then go back out. But I mean, it will just change everything uh, yeah. for the good, I might add, for the good. Well, I have, I, we, we, we went to broadband at my place in the Delta and uh, it makes all, we're streaming and we have, we, we have connectivity and you think about you know, the Delta, and I'm going to have several shows focused on the Delta because until we saw the Mississippi Delta, you know, Mississippi doesn't move forward. And we have 
We have so much opportunity to do that. In fact, I'm actually curious about that. How often do you think about the Delta, Joe Max? Uh, you know, I, I, as the state goes, I think about it a lot, okay? Uh, 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 my, my listeners might not like this. I'm from Arkansas, and years ago, the Arkansas economist said that it is statistically possible for Arkansas to give Mississippi its 17 Delta counties and raise the per capita earnings of both states. Uh, I want you to think about that, but but you're right. I mean, it's 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 a place that 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 that's got to be dealt with, uh, 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 because because if you're thinking that we as a state we got to move forward, uh, we can't have whole big geographic areas not moving forward. And you got to figure out what's got to be done, how you do that, what the baby steps are, what the bigger steps are. Now we're lucky in the Delta we have some of the some of the most important uh, uh, farmers. Yeah. In the world, there. I mean, they're supplying grain and and food for uh, literally all around the world. And I'm actually going to have one on yeah. the on the show in the next week or two. But Ashley, what what thoughts do you have about that? And I totally agree with that. Several years ago, I went up and spent time in the Delta, kind of on a, a little bit of an economic mission up there, and got to talk to you know, county administrators up there, economic developers in the Delta, and. Uh, you know, it's not that they don't know what they're doing. It's not that they're not doing a good job, but they have really got the deck stacked against them. And I think Joe Max is absolutely right. I mean, you know, we, we are always going to be held back by uh, by the least uh, performing place in Mississippi. And, uh, you know, until we find a way to kind of rise uh, them up to the level that some of the other regions in Mississippi, of course, we've had some issues in southwestern Mississippi as well. So you kind of throw them in with the Delta. I mean, there, there's been some economic troubles and disruptions in both of those places. Um, but, you know, look, we have an opportunity. I mean, to, to go back to where you started off here, um, the world is going to change more in the next 10 years uh, than we've seen it change in the last 30 or 40. I mean, we're, we're fundamentally going to live in a different world than 2030. You were talking about futurism, and <clears throat> there's a group out there called the Institute of the Future. Um, they did a, a study released a couple of years ago where they said that by 2030, 80% of the jobs in the United States will be jobs that don't exist today. And they don't mean just the actual job function, uh, but they're talking about the, the, the um, you know, the career. They're, they're things that people don't even do today. They're not even trained to do. Um, and, you know, Mississippi, we have an opportunity to be on the front end of that, uh, to be training our workforce, to be prepared to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, we can really catapult ourselves up uh, above other states if we're doing that. And Joe Max Higgins is doing that every day in the Golden Triangle. We, need, we just need about 10 more like him. We have tremendous opportunity in front of us. Um, there is literally no doubt about it. And the pandemic sort of illuminates. I mean, it creates this moment for us like it did with broadband. It mm -hmm. creates this opportunity to illuminate technology and enabling characteristics. People are learning aspects of this they never would have had to learn before. And that moment is a chance for our leaders to say, you know, these things that you're doing over here, these are the things that are going to determine our future as a state. We're going to start talking more about that. Anyway, Joe Max Higgins and uh, Ashley Edwards, thank you so much for joining me today. We will come back together in a few weeks and just continue the conversation. Thank you, Ricky. You bet, buddy. Have a great day. Follow 
with Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.